Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome to another week of Don't Box Me In. I am your host, Lana Reed. Today we are going to knock out fear that can discourage us, rob us of hope, and threaten to defeat us as we go through life's challenges. My guest today is an author, speaker, inspirational humorist, Christian comedian, and ovarian cancer survivor. Jenna Flagg, oh, excuse me, I can get my mouth right today. Jenna Flagg is here with me today to share the story of challenging her battle with uh, fear using humor, positive attitude, and faith as she inspires others to never give up. I'm so glad she's made the time for me today, and I'm so happy to have her with me on the show. Jenna, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Oh, thank you, Lana. I'm so excited to join you today. Oh, good, good. And my apologies for uh, getting a little tongue-tied there. You know, I was like, so I practiced and practiced and had it all together, and then it's showtime, and I still <laughs> screwed the whole thing up. <laughs> <laughs> That's Okay. Okay. So how are you doing today, dear? I am doing fantastic. How about you? I can't complain. I woke up this morning. I know plenty of people who didn't get that opportunity. So, you know, everything everything else after that is minor. That's Um, right. Hey, you know, just all about perspective. So you you are in California now. Have you always been a California girl? I have. uh, L.A. native. Southern California. And then 10 years ago, I I moved up to uh, Northern California to wine country. Okay. Oh, so you're having a little fun up there. Uh, yeah. Well, I tell you, it's quite different from the cement city uh, metropolis. <laughs> you know, uh, there are uh, miles and miles of vineyards nearby, and that took some getting used to for this, you know, L.A. kid. But now oh. I love it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot of convenience. Everything is right next door. I guess up there in the vineyard, you got to drive to the to the gas station or to the grocery store for a little bit there. Yeah, you have to drive everywhere. Uh, the biggest thing we have in town is uh, Target and Walmart. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, the essentials. Okay. Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. So I've learned to appreciate uh, the little things. <laughs> okay. Cool stuff. So like you mentioned, you were um, originally from Los Angeles, and I see that you were a, a Los Angeles on-air reporter. How did your career in journalism get started? Well, I always was interested in broadcasting, and throughout my teenage years, uh, instead of doing whatever teenagers do, my girlfriend and I would drive to Hollywood and we would hang out uh, at a radio station there. KFWB was one of the main top okay. radio stations. And we would volunteer. We'd work in the mail room. We would do different tasks and and um, ingratiate ourselves with the grown-ups there. And, you know, we were good kids and we were fun to be around. And, and I used to say, when I grow up, I'm going to be in broadcasting and uh, so I did that. I majored in journalism and then radio and television uh, and then started my career when I was in my 20s. Okay, okay. So you um, work for some TV stations in Los Angeles? Is that what you progressed into or segued into? Uh, it, it, t- television stations, yes. My, uh, uh, my first job was live on the air at <laughs> KTLA in Los Angeles with there no you. makeup, no experience, <laughs> and I looked like I was 12. Uh, but what I had was the nerve, and uh, you know, I you got to go for things like that when before anyone tells you that you can't do it. That's right. You'll have a lot of people saying no, no, no. It's not a possibility. But you know, that's their own. Yeah. Uh, talking to them. So okay, cool stuff. KTLA, uh, still one of my favorite channels to watch there. 
Well, good, good. Okay, okay. Um, who is that? So you were the, um, I don't know if you still know, so you were the Gail Anderson of KTLA back in the day then? Not quite. I was a field reporter. <laughs> And then also worked as a a field reporter and assignment editor at KTTV, and then also some work in uh, in radio as well. Okay, okay. Now now we're going to move on to, you know, what we're going to talk about today and how to face fear and everything. Um, All right. And and your your story really begins with uh, your battles with cancer, but I was reading some of your um, book, and you mentioned in the intro that your introduction to cancer came with, um, you know, friends and family, you know, had been diagnosed with cancer, and you had made this determination within yourself, you know, that's not going to be, you right. know, me, and um, you made some some lifestyle changes to kind of compensate for that, or what you thought would compensate for that. Can, <laughs> yeah. Can, can you share like what were you doing? Just, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do the whole cancer thing. That's not gonna be me. What what lifestyle changes did you make? Well, you know, as you said, I watched family and friends uh, battle cancer, and I was determined not to be that one woman out of three to become a cancer patient. Uh, and so I became a health nut. I started exercising for the first time in my life in my late 40s, going to the gym and working out. I weight, I did weightlifting. I did so well that I even considered a bodybuilding competition. And, uh, no. but I, but I, I, I started by subscribing to Prevention Magazine and I uh-huh. followed their, their cancer prevention tips. I ate blueberries. I took anti-cancer supplements every day. Uh, the exercising that I mentioned, and uh, and so when uh, when I went to the hospital expecting a routine hysterectomy, and they opened me up and found stage three C ovarian cancer, wow. I thought, wow, you know what went wrong? I was doing everything right. Okay, okay. So you mentioned you were in your forties when you made the lifestyle change. Uh, yes. What? How old were you when you went for the hysterectomy and they found out that you were at stage three? Uh, a little bit later, I was I was classic textbook, 56 years old. Like a okay. lot of women, I was misdiagnosed for over a year. And uh, so when I went into the hospital, the doctors just expected it to be a routine hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. So the cancer was a surprise to them and, and to everybody else. Wow. And so wow. I, I was cut. Instead of that cute little bikini cut that I had requested, you know, for the hysterectomy, because uh, I thought, hey, I'm working out. I could still rock a two-piece, you know, basic suit. There you suit. go. Instead, I woke up two days later, Lana, in the middle of the night by myself. I was cut from the pelvic bone all the way up between my ribs and had over 80 mm-hmm. staples. I knew something had gone terribly wrong. I think and, so. Yeah. It's like, duh, what <laughs> happened? I mean, I woke up in twilight zone. Mm-hmm. And uh, the pain meds didn't seem to be, you know, making a dent in the pain. And uh, so, you know, so that was, like I said, that was just quite a, a tremendous surprise. But what I learned right away was that my greatest battle was not going to be against the disease and surviving physically, but my greatest battle was against the fear that came with it. And as you said earlier, it overwhelmed me, it robbed me of hope, and it threatened to defeat me. Wow, wow. And just just so we can share with some ladies out there who might um, unfortunately have to experience this, because you did mention earlier that you were misdiagnosed for so long. What kind of symptoms were you having that people, uh, the doctors just weren't catching? Or you weren't uh, catching? Yeah, and see, I didn't know and they didn't know I had all five symptoms of ovarian cancer. We didn't know that it that it fit together to signal the deadliest gynecologic cancer. And so uh, the symptoms are... Uh, not in any particular order, but pain, bloating, pressure, 
fatigue, nausea. Uh, I was getting up a few times in the middle of the night to pee, and I had never had to do that before. And then uh, another symptom that was a surprise and was my first symptom was any change in um, digestive intestinal pro, uh, uh, routine. Okay. I went into my OBGYN saying, hey, I think I got an intestinal blockage here because I never really get fully relieved. And, okay. uh, and they, they didn't find anything. Um, and, uh, you know, meanwhile, there was a, a tumor the size of a grapefruit and another tumor and cells that had spread to the omentum. And I had three good doctors, I want to say that, mm-hmm. but the difference was they were not cancer specialists. So here's the tip. This is not medical advice, but gotcha. my soapbox to women is basically it's anything that's different, anything mm-hmm. that's different that we know our bodies. And mm-hmm. I think as women, we have trouble being heard. The doctors, for some reason, they I've never met a doctor who gets to that point where they say, you know what, this is beyond me, you go to a cancer specialist. And so, you know, they thought I had a, a pulled muscle from working out in the gym. They thought I had a bladder infection. Well, a bladder infection doesn't last for nine months and get yeah. worse and make you lose weight and get anemic. So those are the basic symptoms. And you can see how it could be overlooked so easily. True. Say, well, you're a woman. Well, you're in menopause, and mm-hmm. they want to up your uh, up your estrogen pill or put you on on antidepressants. So, mm-hmm. bottom line is to be the squeaky wheel, and you know, and uh, any of those symptoms that last more than two weeks, okay. you go to a cancer specialist and say, hey, I want a consult. I want another opinion. Okay. Okay. In reflection, do you recall uh, like how long you had been experiencing these these um symptoms i think for about a year okay uh, you know i think for a, about a year and in retrospect i did an excellent job of describing the symptoms I, I i described it's like something's growing in there something's pressing on there you know it's pressing on my bladder that's why i have to get up in the middle of the night and pee you know okay. and uh so in retrospect i realized i did a great job of describing the symptoms but again my gp and my mm-hmm. internist and my OBGYN, though they're great doctors, uh, they are not cancer specialists. So, uh, you know, they didn't know to give me the CA125 blood test, which is a tumor marker for ovarian cancer, or to gotcha. give me an ultrasound that probably would have revealed those tumors months months, months before. before. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Okay, okay. So you say you, you woke up in the hospital and you're, you know, you went for the hysterectomy. You wake up in the hospital and you have this cut, you know, from yay to yay. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm assuming the doctor at some point comes in and, you know, holds your hand or whatever and says, Jenna, uh, uh, by the way. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, uh, so what, what, what are the emotions? I mean, what's the worst, first initial reaction, you know, to, to diagnosis? Well, I think, well, when she said the word cancer, it's like the word cancer hung over <laughs> my head like a cloud, and, and it was like my brain shut down, and I didn't hear another word she said. Mm-hmm. And it was just absolute shock, absolute denial. You know, it just can't, absolutely, absolutely cannot be. I'm the health nut, remember? Yeah. I'm taking steps to not get cancer, and uh, you know, and, and it's just it just cannot be because this is not my plan to die 25 years too soon. Mm-hmm. True, true. I mean, and you know, like you said, cancer is the, the c word. It's just such a, yeah. a a powerful you know word. I mean, it just evokes fear on everybody. I mean, and 
you're, you're sitting there. I'm just imagining you're sitting there. You know, I'm trying to go through this. I just had I went into the hospital for this two days ago. This was not a concept. I'm working out. I'm doing everything right. Um, how do you how do you I mean, maybe it's just your personality, but what doesn't take a person into a, an emotional funk at that particular time? What does or what doesn't take them into does, the funk? Does not. I mean, how do you how do you pick yourself up at that particular point and say, you know what, Jenna, we're going to kick some butt here? Well, I think it's really uh, two different questions. I think the answer is that I don't think there would be anybody who would not go into an immediate funk. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if they don't, then they didn't hear <laughs> what the doctor <laughs> said, you know, or they have a you know, or they have a death wish or something, you know. Gotcha. And um, but there they came there came a time very quickly. Now after that surgery, I spent a month in a rented hospital bed at home. Okay. I had you know that big cut and everything. I could not get in and out of my regular bed, and I certainly could not climb the stairs. So I was in a rented hospital bed, and it didn't. And I was on pain meds and sleeping for the first you know, two weeks. But okay. after that, it came. It w- became very clear very soon that um, that what was that was so painful was that that I had no control. I had mm-hmm. no control. I thought I was in control. If I just exercise and eat blueberries, I'll never get cancer. <laughs> uh, you know, silly me. And so, uh, you know, so when these things happen in life, that uh, it, it became apparent very very soon. Look. Uh, when I'm walking in fear, I'm not walking in faith that I can make it. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it's like the light and the dark. They don't exist in the same room. And so gotcha. I had to decide, am I going to give in to fear and give up? And prior to this, as we said a few moments ago, I, I watched a couple of best friends wither away and die of cancer. And so it would be, uh, it, it, it could be easy to to say, wow, you know, okay, this is my fate too, my destiny too, and um, you know, and I, so I had to get to that point, Lana, where you know we can't always control what happens to us in life. If we're laid off or we get a divorce or something, these life challenges, these life hardships and tough times that bring fear and doubt with it, you know, we can't always control what happens to in life. But what we can control and have some influence over is how are we going to respond? Are we going to just say poor me and pity party and why me and just you know close inside and let fear consume us or are we going to step out of that and through this experience uh you know i felt that voice inside of me that said you know you're going to have a been there ministry and you're going to help other people go through this and i thought oh great that sounds really fun you know (laughs) i do not want this i do not want this sounds like there's going to be pain involved and suffering you know, why couldn't I have something more fun like a muffin ministry or something like that, you know? There you go. Uh, uh, Jenna, we're going to take a quick, I hate to cut you off, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we're going to talk more about overcoming fear right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Today I am with author of the book Fight Fear and Foster Faith, Miss Jenna 
flag. And before the break, we were uh, discussing her beginning of her recovery period from cancer. We were um, at the part where you're at home and you're in the the bed there and you know it's a personal choice that we all have to make either I'm going to sit here and stay in this state or I'm going to you know uh, resolve myself to to overcome and and triumph out of this situation and um, you know I'm I'm wondering because you you started talking about the break there's so many blessings there's so many uh, wonderful ways to touch another person's life um, that comes from our own personal struggle that we don't we don't really realize like you said why can't I be given um the make the muffin ministry or whatever (laughs) (laughs) you know what I'm saying so um what what do you think it was what was the the message or the the wonderful thing that came out of your your cancer experience well there were several gifts of cancer Mm -hmm. so many that's actually that's actually a chapter in my book the gift of cancer you know the title is the gift of cancer what Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a gift, and I tell you that that when we go through through difficult times, and and as we've been discussing, my challenge was illness, but for someone else, it might be divorce or empty nest or foreclosure or some other difficult circumstance that brings fear and doubt. Uh, that and that is to to reach out to other people who are going through similar circumstances and go through it together. And if you're ahead of them in the process, help them go through it and. Uh, um, and so that is a great gift that if I can, you know, help one other woman, uh, mm-hmm. not about cancer, but about fighting fear. So, mm-hmm. you know, fear can be crippling. Talk about being in the box. Man, fear is the box. <laughs> there you go. That we want to get out of, you know, that can hold us back in life. And, you know, and it doesn't have to be uh, uh, the big fear of dying too soon, as I experienced with cancer. There are so many fears, like fear of rejection, fear of criticism, fear of failure, fear of the unknown. You know, fear can keep us frozen and keep us from moving forward. So for me, Lana, you know, the, the real kick in the charge is helping somebody else to be able to laugh and smile and have uh, and be inspired and encouraged to, uh, to, to have the courage for the next step. There you go. There you go. And, you know, I'm wondering, like, with your own personal situation um, with the ovarian cancer and, you know, there's a process, you know, of healing that you go through, you know, as a woman, um, with cancer, you're going to lose your hair, you know, you're tired from treatment or whatever. Um, it's very hard, I would, I would assume, to maintain a positive at- attitude when you're going through all of this stuff. Um, how do you suggest that people... You know, because you could find yourself angry and bitter and mad, and you know, why me? How is it? How is it possible? What suggestions or tips would you give to a person when you're going through these hardships to to maintain a positive attitude? Well, and first, you mentioned something I want to just address briefly, and that is, some people uh, just want to have a pity party. Some people, mm-hmm. their personality is such that for some reason they enjoy hurting, and it's why me. And mm-hmm. I never ask God why me. Uh, instead, I said, why not me? Because God knew I was going to reach out to other women and speak to other women, uh, not just about, uh, you know, fear and, and my experience with the cancer, uh, but to encourage them with humor and hope. But to answer your question about maintaining a positive attitude, yeah, it was hard. It was difficult because the doctors were telling me, even without, even with six months of chemo, and then I had a second look surgery with the same big cut six months later. 
uh, six months apart from the first operation, and another month spent in a rented hospital bed. And the specialist told me that even with all that treatment, they still can't cure me, only buy me some time, and they gave me two wow. or three years. And that was seven years ago. So to answer the question specifically, so I had to make sure that that when I was so discouraged or fearful that I couldn't even uh, believe for myself or pray for myself, I made sure that I hung out with just positive people, people that would create an affirmative atmosphere around me, uh, because you know sometimes we need a jump start of the positive from somebody else, and they mm-hmm. help to create an atmosphere that's supportive, that focuses on the solution rather than the problem. Mm-hmm. And then the second part of that answer is is I think even more important, and that's to avoid negative people, even if they're related. <laughs> sorry, you know and. Uh, that can be more challenging, but avoiding the negative people, they may not be deliberately trying to sabotage your hope, mm-hmm. but their negativity does that. It could just be like, oh, you know, let's say you're out of work. Say, um, oh, well, the economy's so bad, you'll never get a job in this economy. Well, that goes into your brain like, like fiery darts and plants seeds of fear and doubt. And, as, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So after a while... If you're taking in nothing but negative messages, hey, people don't survive ovarian cancer. You know, mm. well, thanks for telling me that. Now I got to get that out of my brain. You know, yes. um, and uh, you know that one negative remark can can kill <laughs> can kill a week of positivity. Uh, so so the big tip there is to surround yourselves with people who will walk with you and believe for your victory, whatever that is, whether it's a job or physical healing. And uh, and the other side of that is to don't walk away from negative people. Run. There you go. There you go. And, you know, I tell people all the time, you have to really make a conscious effort to yeah. rec- recognize negative people because sometimes it's so subtle. You know, it's it's the person who works next to us in the cubicle or it might be your cousin at the family reunion. And just because of our, our connection with them, we don't really take into account, like, hold on, wait a minute. That was, you know, that's a negative thought. That's negative energy. I don't need to right. be next to you or around you, you know. So right. it, it really takes a lot of conscious effort to, you know, and sometimes, like you said, it might be a family member or, you know, a, a loved one or something that you have to, or at, at work, you know, no, I'm going to have my lunch over here, not with you guys, because I really don't like the energy <laughs> yeah. that you guys yeah. bring to the table. And it, it you know, it, it requires conscious effort, you know, and that, and that's part of personal involvement and, and stuff like that. And, and it's, I think it's a wonderful thing that when you were going through your recovery from cancer, that you had the foresight to say, hey, you know, wait a minute, you know, you're not going to sit here and tell me I'm never going to, like the doctor. Oh, we can buy you a few months. You know, Jenna was like, "Okay, I'm going to show you." All right. Yeah, yeah. Here's here's your few months, and I see you a few more. Okay. Yeah. Well, and like you said, you know, we have to make a conscious decision uh, and a, a conscious effort, uh, you know, to surround ourselves with with people that are going to reinforce hope and not uh, plant those little seeds that can grow into you know debilitating fear. That you know, it's kind of like building that box that we're stuck in and locked in and they fill and it's built brick by brick you know by one comment at a time uh, you, you know so it's important to not let some little comment go and for example even when i checked into the hospital a lot of, i had never been a patient before hmm. i was a health nut remember so <laughs> yeah. when i checked into the i checked into the hospital at 6 in the morning for surgery i was anemic i was i was in pain i was scared to death and the nurse came in and asked why I was there, what procedure I was having, and I thought, oh, good, you know, she'll come 
come alongside with bedside manner and she'll make me feel better. And she, instead, she winced and she said, ooh. Oh, no. That's the worst operation you could have. Oh, wow. I know. Well, at first I thought, I I laughed because I thought she was kidding, you know, to cheer Uh me up with some hospital humor. But then I realized she wasn't kidding because she kept it up. That's really bad. Oh, are you going to have pain? Oh, pain. Well, then I, I, the point is, I told her, I said, look, I'm very upset here, and I need to hear only positive things, so I I need you to leave and Mm -hmm. have some other nurse come in and put the IV in. And I just had to stand up for myself in that case and literally tell her, go away. Mm -hmm. But then there's other, other times where, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a direct confrontation. Uh, if I got a phone call from a friend that I know is very, uh, you know, negative in her personality or a family member, uh, long distance, you know, I just had my husband say that I'm just not up to talking on the phone right now. Mm-hmm. Or I would say, thanks for calling, but I'm just not up to talking on the phone right now. And, you know, I would cut it really short before they could say something that would destroy me for the day. <laughs> You know, I'm trying to piece by piece put my everything about me back together, my health, my attitude. Yes. You know, yes. I need to stay focused on that. I do, I do not need my pathway dissuade or whatever. So, you know, I, so, I just have to disconnect from some negative energy, some negative conversations, right. some negative people. You know, it's very toxic to, you know, the goal that I have in mind for me. So, right. you know, conversations get cut short. Yeah. Okay. You know, and um, and it's just wonderful, like, Sometimes we are our own worst enemy. Um, Boy, that's and, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and even though you have other people, you know, kind of saying all of these negative things to you and giving you this negative input, sometimes it's us that's really, you know, I'm not worthy of this. I don't deserve this. I really, you right. know, um, right. you know, but even still just listening to you talk about your experience, there was just something in you that said, you know, no, you know, my situation, my life, my blessings are so much greater than this. Right. And, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it would be wonderful if everybody could get to that place where you found yourself at. And, you know, I'm going to overcome this. Uh, do you have any, I mean, real quickly before we go to commercial and we can talk about it when we come back, do you have any quick pointers or tips that people can um, start to do to well, and, and it's it's not easy. That's why it's called a fight. Okay. But when I talk about fighting fear, it's a strategy, and it's being pers- persistent. So every time fear tries to come up against you, you put on your big girl gloves and jump in the ring and, you know, take a few swings, take a few punches. There you uh, go. But, but it's, it's just as important that we watch our own words because what we say has power, and if we keep talking, oh, I'll never get a job or I won't get healed, uh, then, uh, you know, words are like, like vessels. They convey fear or faith, uh, victory or defeat. And so, uh, you know, what we say is, is really important. It's like training your brain and your heart for victory or, or for failure. You speak existence into so many things, and I don't think people really understand that. Right. Um, I want to talk some more about that when we come back. Right now we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. back. I am the lovely Miss Jenna Flagg today, author of the book Fight Fear and Foster Faith. Um, and I want to go back to something we were talking about um, 
before the break because I think it's very important. And we were talking about sometimes we have the habit to be our own worst enemy with the yes. thought, the thoughts that we think, the, the stuff that we tell ourselves. And I want to kind of also kind of reopen the you, you mentioned something earlier the affirmative atmosphere so right. i want to kind of try to tie it. how can we talk to ourselves in a more positive manner and create a more affirmative energy and atmosphere within ourselves well as we said before the break that that uh you, you know the words that we speak you know have power in them you know the, the tongue has the power of life and death and so it's important whether we're speaking that we're going to make it we're going to find a job or we're going to be healed or or whatever it is that we're believing for that's a positive, uh, hopeful outcome. Or we can speak, you know, defeat, poor me, and, and everything's terrible, and so forth. Uh, and and so, uh, so it's so important to, to speak those positive things in response to hearing a negative response. You know, when you hear a negative response that goes in your head, it's already gone in there, so you can't ignore it. But I would replace it with something positive, like the example earlier. If people say, oh, you know, the economy's so bad, you know, you're not going to get a job. Mm -hmm. Well, then I would counter that and say, you know, I know the economy is bad and jobs might be scarce, but I'm going to keep knocking on doors and prepare myself, and I'm going to knock on the right door that they're going to be blessed to have me work there, and I will be blessed with that job, and I'm not going to give up until I get that job, instead of giving up. Yeah, because it's so easy to give up. I mean, and, you know, it, it it takes a certain kind of emotional fight that we have to develop sometimes. Some of us are, are naturally born with it. Some of us, we have to develop it. Um, but it can be done, you know. And, and we, we find ourselves in life sometimes, you know, just kind of being kicked in the gut and, you know, socked in the jaw. And, you know, and like every yeah. day, like I keep on out. I'm out here trying every day and I'm not making any leeway. And, you know, it might be easy to just roll over in the fetal position and yeah. just like, you know, but you have to. You know, there's no, there's no glory in that. There's no, you, I mean, you know, it's, I think there's a phrase that says, you know, keep on going, don't stop, because right the moment when you stop, your blessing was right there, the next few steps, you know? So keep yeah, pushing and ahead. Yeah, a tragedy, that would be to stop short. And so one thing that you brought up, you know, sometimes it's hard. I, I you know, I'm naturally positive, however, uh, 30 years of my of my faith was just chipped away and I was surprised at how easily I crumbled mm-hmm. and uh and so so even when we don't feel positive or we don't feel upbeat there are things that we can do like uh for example every night I watched every night I watch comedy movies or television programs uh, like Seinfeld you know mm-hmm. that I enjoy it makes me laugh uh I did not watch drama movie any dramatic programs and certainly not the negative news uh so there were steps i could take that even within myself if i didn't feel upbeat and happy and positive i would try to be influenced by that from the outside in and so one of those ways i did that was to bring humor and to focus on humor because humor is such a powerful weapon against fear it can diffuse or lessen our fear by redirecting our focus onto something more light-hearted and you know that when you when you laugh, it lifts your spirit. And when you laugh, you feel better. And when you feel better, it's easier to see that light at the end of the tunnel and to have hope that you're going to get through your situation. Mm-hmm. True, true. I mean, you know, I find myself doing the same things, too. It's like, no, I'd rather, you know, put in a tape of one of my favorite comics or something like that instead of turn on the news or something because I know it's going to totally shift my entire mood and, yeah. and the energy of my day. So, yeah. but. 
But, you know, Jenna, sometimes there's a reality, though, um, when you are, like you said, when you're going through divorce or you're going through illness or whatever, it's kind of hard to find humor in some of these things. How does, how does somebody, how, how does somebody find a laugh in being a stage three ovarian cancer, uh, diagnosed person? Well, and before I answer that, I, I think it's important to add that I'm not saying at all that, w- that you don't, um, r- recognize that mm-hmm. your situation really stinks, that your situation yeah. is very bad and very sad. I'm recognizing that, uh, those emotions. So I'm not saying, oh, everything's happy, everything's all mm-hmm. right. Um, so you don't, so in my case, I wasn't denying that I had stage 3C cancer, but I was denying that that had the power to, okay. to defeat me. And okay. it sure wasn't going to defeat my spirit. But to more specifically answer your question, you know, finding humor in the hardship, admittedly, can be difficult. But then sometimes it just walked right up to me. <laughs> soon, the, when, soon after the word got around church that I had cancer, I noticed that people responded differently to me. One lady walked right up and got in my face. Yeah. And she apologized. And she said, I'm so sorry that I didn't get to know you. <laughs> and I'm thinking, hey, wait a minute, I'm still here, yeah, and, gone, and I don't know it, you know, and, and then she turned and walked away, and she just missed her second chance to get to know me. Oh, gosh. And I, and I thought, you know, Cena, you're laughing. I thought that was funny, uh, and I'm sure she has no clue how that came off. Uh, and another gal came up to me, and she said, I'm so happy I'm not you. Oh, what a terrible thing to say to somebody. But I thought it was funny. But, you know, that started me thinking, Lana, maybe there's a cancer card I could play here. So I tried it out when I wanted to return a camera cable to a store, and the manager told me I would not get a refund because the grace period had passed. And as he turned to walk away, I blurted out, I'm a cancer survivor. And I lifted <laughs> my shirt to show him my huge, ugly, fresh scar. Uh-huh. And his eyes got really wide, and he quickly gave me my $40 refund. Ah. Thought, oh, this works. I could work this. <laughs> I could work this a while. This could work. It's better than a senior citizen's discount, right? You just have the cancer uh, thing that you use for customer yeah, service. Yeah, well, and believe me, I work them all now. <laughs> I, told, I went home, and I stood in front of the mirror. Because I wanted to see what I did that was so persuasive because I thought, I want to keep doing that, you know. And so to my shock, I realized that I had accidentally lifted my shirt too high, and I flashed Uh the guy. (laughs) He's like, lady, lady, lady. Yeah, you know, just take your money, get out of here. Or maybe, you know, that flashing was worth the 40 bucks. I don't know. Now I don't know why I got the refund. Oh, so either it was a scar or the, like, lady, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, I can never go back to that store again, <laughs> maybe even that city, if he's a talker. <laughs> Too funny. Too see, funny. Now, that's, that's funny, and that was in the hardship, and I didn't do it to be funny. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes these things just come to mind, you know, and you do things. Yeah, I got you. Now, uh, as we can see, you know, you do have a lot of humor in you. You talk about that um overcoming helping you overcome your um hardship so you use comedy a lot in what you do um how long have you been a comic or how long has that played into uh what you do well i've always uh loved comedy uh from as you know since i was three when before that uh my mom and i laughed and uh i had the same sense of humor and so it was really uh 
kind of uh, honed, you know, with uh, with her mentorship, kind of my humor mentor. Uh, and so humor's always been a big part of my daily life, whether I was on radio or TV or a college professor in the classroom, always used, you know, a lot of humor. And so uh, what is different about my my speaking now, as I've been doing it for many years, is the platform of, you know, of fighting fear with humor and and hope. And so I use storytelling and demonstration and visuals and props. And when I show up to speak, I bring my IV pole and walker and, mm-hmm. and I bring a lot of uh, things with me and, uh, you know, and, and, and talk about, you know, humor and a hardship. So, you know, humor is a big part that, that we said a moment ago that, you know, when you get people to laugh, when you share a laugh, you feel better, you're inspired, you're encouraged. You know, when you physically are down, it's hard to have hope. But when you get those endorphins going and the immune system's kicked in and the stress uh, hormones are reduced because of the laughter, uh, you know, then you feel better. And it's, and it's easier to believe that you are going to make it through whatever difficult circumstance you're in. True, true. I mean, like I, I cannot tell you how many times a laugh has, has saved my whole entire energy yep. for the day, you know. Yep. Um, so I just kudos that. Now I want to begin to talk about, uh, I've mentioned it quite a few times, but I want to talk about the book Fight, Fear, and Foster uh, Faith. And in the book you talk about three things that a person who is facing hardship can do to face their fear. Uh, what, what are these three things? Uh, well, we've touched upon them in a little bit more detail, but it's adopting a positive attitude or affirmative atmosphere, creating okay. that affirmative atmosphere. Also, programming your own heart and your own okay. spirit, your own mind for victory and not defeat. Because if you're not convinced, you know, you're not going to make it. Okay. And then thirdly, to to be conscious of recognizing humor in your life. And if there isn't any... There's steps you can take to add humor that we've mentioned, watching programs, hanging out with people that make you laugh. And one of my favorite tips, Lana, is to hang out in a toy store because you'll find many, many whimsical, fun things and just spend a half hour in a toy store playing with, with some of the crazy things they have. Oh. Uh, it could, you know, it could be a slide whistle. Uh, <laughs> you know, it could be a funny nose you stick on your face, but uh-huh. I dare you to, uh, you know, to, um, you know, put that nose on and then drive down the freeway. Uh-huh. You'll end up smiling. Jenna's a big kid at heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too funny. Too funny. And, you know, um, the toy store and the energy of toys, you know, it kind of brings you back to a more innocent time when we were kids and, you know, didn't really have the stressors or problems that we deal with today as adults. So I, I can understand how, you know, that kind of all ties into, you know, just changing and shifting your whole mood there. Um, really quick before we go to the last break of the day, um, when did you decide to write Fight Fear and Foster Faith? Uh, the next day in the hospital, I had okay. my husband bring me paper and pencil, and it wasn't my intention to write a book, but as I said, I was a speaker uh, doing other topics and uh, you know other areas. Um, but uh, having to do with communication and media and personality profile and so forth, fun things. Uh, but right away, I just started taking notes. I also started 
picking up some of the uh, different gadgets in the hospital. I didn't steal because I don't do that, but I asked permission, my nurse, if I could take certain things, and he said, sure. Okay. <laughs> so okay. I did. Okay. And, uh, because I already knew that, uh, that someday it was going to end up in a, in a speech, a presentation. And so the book came, uh, the book came uh, several years later, and I want to say that I'm not an avid reader like many people are. I'm more visual. So the book is the kind of book I enjoy. It's 160 pages. It has 84 photographs. It's very okay. visual. Oftentimes the photographs are the punchline. Okay. So you don't want to look ahead. And it's short little paragraph. I mean, short little uh, um, chapters. So it's easy to you know pick up and read a short little chapter and then pick it up again later. But it includes very practical tips, some of which we've already talked about today. And some of the tips are... Um, Mm, more heartfelt and more serious, and some of them, a lot of them are silly, uh, but they all work. They're all tips in in fighting fear. So uh, it took me a few years to sit down and write it, Lana, because mm-hmm. I didn't want to have to face the pain again. I had gotcha. moved past that, and in order to write a book that could really touch people and so that they'd know, wow, this girl really knows what she's talking about when she's talking about fighting gotcha. fear. And I have the boxing gloves to prove it. You know? I see so, that picture. Yeah, I love that picture. I've always wanted a pair of red boxing gloves. Uh, so when I went to the store and found those, and I was so happy they were not pink. Uh, <laughs> of course not. You know, of course not. Uh, so, so when I sat down to write it, it really, now I understand what the big deal is about writing a book because it is difficult and it takes months. And, and it is a task. It takes a lot of editing and a lot of yeah. looking back. And did yeah. I really need to say that? And you know, yeah, it, it's yeah. it's not a and it's not a. Can I say? Yeah, true stuff. Yeah. And okay. then also, uh, so the last four months was fourteen hours a day at least, and I didn't eat, I didn't sleep, I didn't cook, I didn't clean the house. My family would say at seven p.m. we having dinner, and I'd say no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and, writing uh, a book. You know, so because when when it finally was coming to me and I couldn't type fast enough, uh, then, uh, you know, I couldn't walk away from it. The good news is I lost seven pounds uh, and, and I wound up with a book. Cool stuff. Okay, well, we're going to take our last commercial break of the day. We'll be back with more Jennifer Flagg right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, welcome back. Today I've had the uh, joy to spend with Miss Jenna Flagg, author and speaker and inspirational humorist. And we were talking about her book, Fight Fear and Foster Faith. Uh, how do people get a copy of the book? I think the uh, easiest way is Amazon.com, though it's okay. also available at BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, Amazon UK, India, and the trunk of my car. Good stuff. Trunk of the car. That's a true salesperson. Yeah, yeah like that, yeah. like that. Uh, you've got this thing you do. Um, you're the founder of uh, Been There Got Wig Breakfast Club and Ministry. What What is that all about? Uh, Been There Got the Wig is actually my trademark phrase. Okay. Uh, so only I can use that. Been There okay. Got the Wig. Uh, when I uh, uh, woke up in the hospital and I mentioned earlier you know, that uh, I I heard the Lord tell me, hey, you're going to have a been-there ministry. Well, at the time, I didn't know it was cancer. So mm. Got the Wig came after I jumped into chemo and lost my hair. Uh, but it is a group 
of women, I call them chemo buddies, but they don't have to have chemo as part of their treatment. And okay. we meet for camaraderie, conversation, comfort food, and it's for women currently undergoing or about to start treatment for any type of cancer. And our motto is, you know, a cheerful heart's good medicine. And, you know, friends and family, Lana, can only support and help to a point. Then we need people that we can empathize with. So because we've been there, we know that there's healing and knowing that you're not alone. So yeah. this is a small uh, support group that's positive, upbeat, faith-based. We thank God every day we're alive. We we celebrate life and we celebrate breakfast. And it's designed to be a small, intimate group so that we can really share, you know, our feelings and so forth. If you get into more than four women at around a little breakfast table, then you only talk to the person next to you. You don't really, you know, get to to talk to everybody there. So we uh, we have no set meeting place, no set time or day. Because okay. that's too structured. That's too structured, and and uh, cancer patients have treatment on different days, so their good days and bad days might be different. Okay. Uh, so uh, so we just meet when we want to, and and as I meet women, I meet women in pu- in public. You know, you recognize if they're wearing a scarf or mm-hmm. you know a hat or something that they're bald, and and um, chemo is not the only reason for women to lose their hair, but it's most often probably right? the most often, yeah case and and so I'll go up to them in a store or any place and just invite them to come and uh you know and we just encourage each other and love each other through a tough time that's been there got the wig breakfast club and ministry you know and sometimes it's easy when you're easier when to heal when you're going through something to have somebody who has actually gone through the same experience that you have like you said your husband can only provide so much uh emotional support your you know right. parents or but right. to have somebody there who actually understands the battle that you're going through kind of you know helps the healing process along so that's a that's a truly wonderful concept there um you know because sometimes i i can I just only estimate that you do feel so alone when you're going through. That's um, right. So wonderful thing. Now you've also got this this other thing. I was on your website, you know, looking at all your your funny pictures you've got going on. But you've also got this thing. Who put the elephant in my stocking? This phrase you have, and like thinking about that, I'm saying, okay, either I've got too <laughs> much too much of something in this little bitty stocking, and it's just overwhelming to me, or I have this wonderful large blessing that somebody's put into my stocking. So which which one is it? How is What is who put the elephant in my stocking mean for you? Well, when life was going great for mm-hmm. me, when life's going great, it's like a, you know, it's like a Christmas stocking filled with wonderful gifts and surprises. And when the diagnosis of cancer came down, it was as though someone put a four-ton elephant of fear <laughs> into that stocking that was so wonderful. And so that's the phrase, who put the, sto- who put the elephant in my stocking? It was totally unexpected, unwanted, and, you know, what, what in the heck am I going to do with this? So okay. that's where it came from. Now, you did mention it could be a blessing. And as we talked about earlier, you know, it did turn out to be a blessing. Uh, it, it, there actually turned out to be gifts uh, that came out of, of uh, defeating fear. Mm-hmm. But the intention of the title is, uh, you know, like, wow, you know, this was something I didn't see coming and I didn't want it. And who put the elephant in my stocking? <laughs> So in your work, you know, um, as a speaker and your ministry or whatever, uh, how do you use this, who put the elephant in my stocking to, 
you know, help people kind of move themselves, urge themselves, encourage themselves to the next level? Well, it, it involves, you know, the, the, the my program uh, presentation involves all of the things that we talked about, but okay. with a lot more humor and comedy and the props to go along with it. Okay. Uh, and then and I don't want to, I don't want to give it away at the end. Gotcha. You know, but at the end, you know, we go through that, that process and all those things that were in the stocking. And, uh, you know, and you find out what happened to that four-ton elephant of fear. Okay, okay. And, you know, I recommend everybody, um, and I'm going to give the website again, but, you know, I'm on her website now, and she has some of the most entertaining pictures with props, and, um, you know, it, it seems like it's a very entertaining and humorous experience to spend some time with Jenna Flagg. So I recommend everybody going to that uh, website, uh, and I'll give the site um, at the end of the show there. Um, real quick, before we get out of here, you know, you've gone through this. You've learned how to uh, overcome fear, live life without fear. What is life for Jenna now that she's living fearless? Well, you know, life for me is different because now I truly appreciate every day that I wake up. Uh, I never have a bad hair day. Boy, the pressure is off. <laughs> I never have a bad hair day because I am so happy that I have hair again. Uh, every day I put on my, my makeup uh, and I, I thank God every day. Today I have mm-hmm. eyelashes. Today I have eyebrows because okay. they were left one time. They could leave again. Uh, I'm not waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's just that I appreciate it so much. And so now I wear my good clothes every day. I don't okay. save them for some other, you know, special occasion or or something. And I order dessert whenever I want. There you go. And I really have learned the lesson that all all any of us have is just today. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and and I have to say, it's a continual fight. You know, fear will try to come against you. My uh, husband had open heart valve replacement surgery, and it's uh, it's a very successful operation, as you know. But sometimes mm-hmm. people don't make it; complications set in, set sure. in, and they don't come out of the hospital. And I was terrified. I was not ready to lose him and be widowed. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he says, "You got to read your own book." There you go. <laughs> says you write there the book go. on fighting fear. Go read your own book. And there you I go. Least, right. <laughs> Kicking the butt right there, huh? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> what it's not for... one thing, you know, it's not something you do one time and then, you know, you're immune from being human, you know, and, and having fear when it comes against you. But I'm a little bit quicker now to get on my big girl boxing gloves and jump into the ring when fear challenges me to about. Awesome and amazing. Awesome and amazing. Well, Miss Flag, we are at the end of the hour every time, every week. My, I enjoy my guests so much. It just goes so fast. Uh, my guest today has been Miss Jenna Flag, and I'm pausing because I want to make sure I say the name right. Please visit her website. Let me spell it. J-A-N-A-F-L-A-I-G.com. Please don't forget the I and see all that she's got going on. Also, pick up a copy of her book, Fight Fear and Foster Faith. Jenna, I have enjoyed you so much today. Thank you for hanging out with me, and I wish oh, you all you, of the Oh, thank you, You're a lot of fun. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There is always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I will see you next week. 